0: Storytelling is marketing's oxygen. Your brand cannot survive without it. Hi, my name is Nyquia and I'm the founder of The Marketing Profit, a global digital marketing agency. I have mastered the art of storytelling and marketing strategy from the greatest storyteller of all time, yes girl you got that right i'm talking about jesus christ the scriptures stories and strategies podcast is here to help faith-based content creators create a universal community within their online business that sparks engagement prompts actions and generates income using lessons from the only business book you really need your bible let's begin Hello, faith-filled friend. Welcome back to another faith-filled episode. If you are new, hey, I am your host, Nyquia. And if you skip past my introduction, it's okay. You probably have no clue who I am. I am the founder of The Marketing Profit, which is a global SEO and digital marketing agency a business educational platform and faith-based global community for freedom fiending female entrepreneurs who love to mix business with Christianity. And if that sounds like a community you see yourself a part of, then you will love this podcast because scripture, stories, and strategy is all about using the Bible as your number one business book. So I'm so excited for today's topic. This is episode 10 of season two, which means this is the last episode of the season I got my coffee here so that's probably why you hear a pep in my voice (laughs) because right now I don't know when you guys are listening to it but it's Saturday morning right now and uh, I'm washing clothes in the background. I did a little cleaning today so I'm just really in a good mood and I got my coffee of course so let me take a little sip. Okay so like I said we're in the last episode of season two. And honestly, I can't believe how much this podcast has grown and the amazing Christian entrepreneurs that grace this podcast this season with their stories, lessons, and business tips. I'm so honored, honestly. I'm so blessed. Literally every one of these guests that were on the last two seasons of Scripture, Stories, and Strategies were my dream guests. A lot of them I didn't think would reach back out to me. So I'm just so blessed that everyone I reached out to um, it felt honored to be a guest on my platform and on my podcast, and just tell their business steps, tell their faith stories, and 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 you know share how they infuse Christianity with their business as well. So, I'm so grateful for that. So in today's episode, I wanted to extend the conversation of being careful who you listen to in business and talk more on the side of overcoming opposition when building your business. But this time, I want to share a scripture to support this topic, of course. By the way, if you haven't listened to my last episode before this one you're hearing now, I had a very special guest, Kalia Nicole. She's a Christian influencer and influencer coach who talked about the dangers of listening to ungodly counsel in your business. And so this is based, This episode is basically an extension of that episode. So for today, I want to stress the importance of who you keep around you and how to overcome opposition for those who truly want to see you fail within your business journey. If you don't follow me on Instagram, you probably don't know that I am currently on a reading plan to finish the whole Bible in one year. My reading for this week was actually Ezra. I've never read the book of Ezra before, and, and honestly, to tell you the truth. I I didn't know Ezra was an actual book, and you know I I'm not familiar with the Old Testament, which is why I'm so happy that I'm actually reading the Bible within a year. Because when you think of the Old Testament, you hear Genesis, you hear Proverbs, Psalms, um, uh, Ecclesiastes, but you never hear about these other books. So like Kings and Ezra, Nehemiah. So. Such a good book. Uh, I had so many business lessons come for me from this book, and I'm going to share that with you, at least one of the stories in this podcast. So... Uh, My reading for this week, like I said, was from Ezra and the lesson for today actually comes from the first six chapters of Ezra. And as always, I love to start with biblical scripture that supports the topic of my podcast episode as well as the history and context of scripture before I dive in dissecting it into a business lesson so you can better understand what's happening around this time in history. I think that's very, very important when you're reading the Bible is that uh, I mean, personally, for me, I like to understand the context. I like to put myself in that place and time. And I like to research these people in real life, like in, in online. I like to research who these kings were at the time, where they came from, you know, and things like that. So, today's, uh, as well, I always, always like to share a scripture that supports this story. So today's scripture comes from Philippians chapter 1 verse 28 and just so you guys know I always read from my new international version so the NIV version is the Bible that I always use you can use of course any Bible that you resonate resonate with the most for me it's the NIV version. So today's scripture comes from Philippians chapter 1, verse 28, and it says, Without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you, this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God, this is a sign of destruction for them, but of your salvation, and this is from God. Okay, so the topic, I didn't even say the topic yet, but the topic of today's podcast is the 10 ways to overcoming opposition when building your business. Okay, so get your Bibles out. I want you to go to Ezra in the Old Testament and I want you to flip to chapter 4 because that's where we're going to start the whole story and then that's going to be the story to support our business lesson for today. Okay, so in the beginning of the book of Ezra, the Jews who were exiled into Babylon by by King Nebuchadnezzar is now released back to their homes in Jerusalem by the former king, by the former Persian king Cyrus. Now, uh, which is now the king of Babylon at this time after conquering the city, so King Cyrus uh, uh, puts out a decree to go for the Jews to go and rebuild the temple of God as well as make a home for themselves back in their land. Now, there are three key people who led the exiled Jews back to Jerusalem, and their names are Zerubbabel, Ezra, and Nehemiah. It's also important to note that not all the Jews wanted to go back to Jerusalem because they found comfort in Babylon. Honestly, it was a huge city at the time with many opportunities, so think of it as a modern day like New York City. It was like the dream city. However, About 50,000 Jews did take advantage of King Cyrus' decree and went back to Jerusalem, led first by by Zerubbabel, because they knew that Jerusalem was their home and a part of the promised land given to them by God, and they needed to return and rebuild the temple that was destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, the 50,000 Jews who returned back to Jerusalem with their leader Zerubbabel, did not go back empty-handed. King Cyrus returned to them about 5,400 articles of silver and gold goods that King Nebuchadnezzar had carried away from Jerusalem and had placed in the temple of his god. So he also gave them all the money they needed to rebuild King Solomon's temple the way it originally was. Okay, here's the nerd in me, because you guys know I love history. So here's a fun historical fact. So... Remember that I said uh, King Cyrus was a former uh, Persian king and he became the king of Babylon when he overtook the uh, Babylon army, So, or just overtook the city. So the Persians came from the other side of history. Persians actually originally lived in the mountains and were conquered first by the Assyrians and then by the Babylonians. And then after a while... They decided that enough was enough, okay? They was tired of getting ran and tramped over. So their king at the time, who was King Cyrus, decided to attack Babylon during the time the Jews and the other nations of the world were in exile in Babylon. And he actually won. And when he won, he freed all the people who had been subjugated by the babylonians so king cyrus of persia let all the exiled citizens let all the exiled citizens of babylon return back to their home it just wasn't the jews so there were other there were egyptians there there were jews there um there were so many other nations there that he let go and he was actually looked at as the first like charter of human rights that came from a king, and he even he acknowledged that even the subjects of Babylon during his conquer deserved to be treated fairly. So he also wanted to please every nation's god. I say that in quotation mark, and hoping that he would be blessed in return. So kind of selfish, but his actions were good. I guess you can say, but. He did not know that the true God was the God of the Jews. God actually moved the heart of Cyrus to make a proclamation throughout the realm and to also put it in writing known as the decree of Cyrus. So you can read about this decree in the first chapter of Ezra. Okay, so let's get into the lesson of this story. So when Zerubbabel started to build the wall, he was approached by the enemies of Judah and Benjamin. These were also the people who lived around Jerusalem during the time the Jews were carried off into exile. So they came to Zerubbabel and other leaders and actually offered to help build the temple with the Jews. Now, in Ezra chapter four, verse two, it states that these people said, let us help you build because like you, we seek your God and have been sacrificing and have been sacrificing to him since the time of Esau. Esar Haddon king of Assyria who brought us here now keep in mind these citizens were considered enemies of the Jews so why would they offer a helping hand you know what's their motive why would they want to take part in building the temple so it is a known fact that yes they these people who lived in the land surrounding Jews, Jerusalem while the Jews were in Babylon in, in exile. They did pray to the God of the Jews, but they also sought other gods as well. They did not solely rely on the God of the Jews, which is the true God. So listen to what Zerubbabel tells them in verse 3. He says, you have no part with us in building the temple to our God. We alone will build it for the Lord, the God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, commanded us. So why do you think Zerubbabel declined their help even though they claim to pray and serve the same God? I want you, so let's let's tie this into business. So I want you to think about when you started to build your business, okay? Or your current business journey right now. Have there been people who offered to help you who seemed to have aligned views with you and your best interest at heart, but something was just off about their offer. Something was just didn't feel right about them offering to help you or your Holy Spirit warned you that declining their offer was best. So keep that in mind. I want to let's keep reading to see how people took, how these people took Zerubbabel's no. So beginning in verse four, it says, Then, And by the way, guys, this is in chapter four of Ezra and we're in verse four now. So it says, then the peoples around them set out to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on building. They bribed officials to work against them and frustrate their plans. Wow. Look at how quick these people who swear they were men of God were to quickly turn on the Jews as soon as... Their quote unquote help was denied. If they truly sought to help the Jews and honor the one and true God, ooh, excuse me. If they, um, if they truly, you know, sought to help the Jews and honor the one and true God, their actions would have spoke differently. Which goes to show you that they really didn't have the best interests of the Jews at heart. So let's think about this. Let's tie it back to business again. Think about a time within your business journey. When you were starting a new project and someone in your circle offered to help, but you had that feeling once again in your spirit that it wasn't a good idea to say yes. When you did say no, how did they react? Did they automatically get offended or did they try to understand your reasoning for your no? really think about this if this has happened to you or if this if this same scenario will happen to you in the future i don't know but think about this as you as you're thinking about building your business or you're going through your business journey right now now i want to also talk about the reason zerubbabel said no keep in mind at this point the israelites suffered for not obeying god in the past and were eventually exiled from their promised land So Zerubbabel did not want to commit past mistakes and repeat history because history has shown that mixture of other nations' God with their God was never a good mix. He knew that these people did not truly honor the true God. Or they would have started rebuilding the temple before the arrival of the exiled Jews. If they really said that, you know, we've been praying to your God, blah, 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 blah. Then why haven't y'all started building the temple yourselves? Why did, you know, we have to come back from exile to do it? So he knew that even though that they said they believed in the same God, they were really looking to destroy the building process before it even began. It's so sad to say But how many of us know that there are people who are surrounding us at this very moment that say they are for us when helping our business grow, but truly do not have our heart at interest and really want to see us fail? (laughs) Honestly, it just gives me chills when I think about the people who really don't want to see you do well in life because it doesn't help them in the process. But let me not get into my feelings. (laughs) So let's keep reading and learning. I actually have to take a sip of my coffee. My mouth is like getting extra dry here. One second. Oh Oh my gosh, I love coffee. Anyways, excuse me. So after being told no, these people tried so hard to see the Jews fail in rebuilding the temple and tried everything to keep the temple from being built. They tried to bribe the people working on the temple to stop. They tried to instill fear in the people to get them to stop. They even went to officials and kings to put a stop to rebuilding the temple. I mean, these people were really hurt, right? Like, they were really hurt by the fact that Zerubbabel told them no. And quite frankly, they had too much time on their hands to do everything they did to keep the temple from being built. Like, they really did the most. Like, y'all got families to take care of. Like, they really just went the extra mile to not see this building start, you know, take place or get finished. So, don't you notice that people who despise you the most... Take the most energy to make you fail. Honestly, it's sad. And I feel sorry for anyone who does that because not only is it wrong, but it's a waste of energy. And it really reflects on their personal fears and self-worth. Anyways, let's look at verse 8, where the opposers lodged an accusation against the people of Judah and Jerusalem. So they wrote a letter to King Artaxerxes, who at this time was King of Persia. So in the letter, they basically told the king that the Jews were unwilling to pay taxes to the Persian government and told the king to search the archives of the historical fact that the Jews were a rebellious nation and their city was destroyed because of the trouble they opposed in the past. I actually want to read to you the letter the opposers wrote and also read to you the response. So this actually starts in Ezra chapter 4 verse 11. So it states this is a copy of the letter they sent to him to King Artaxerxes from your servants and trans Euphrates. So this is once again, the opposers who didn't want to see the Jews who, you know, were basically upset the Jews were building this temple and wanted them to fail. This is them writing the letter to the king. In verse 12, it says, the king should know that the people who came up to us from you have gone to Jerusalem and are rebuilding that rebellious and wicked city. They are restoring the walls and repairing the foundations. Furthermore, the king should know that if this city is built and its walls are restored, no more taxes, tribute, or duty will be paid, and eventually the royal revenues will suffer. Now, since we are under obligation to the palace, and it is not proper for us to see the king dishonored, we are sending this mes- message to inform the king, so that a search may be made in the archives of your predecessors. In these records, you will find that this city is a rebellious city, troublesome to kings and provinces, a place with a long history of sedition. That is why the city was destroyed. We inform the king that if this city is built and its walls are restored, you will be left with nothing in trans-Euphrates. So in verse 17, it says the king sent this reply to Rehum, the commanding officer, Shemshai, the secretary, and the rest of their associates living in Samaria and elsewhere in Trans-Euphrates. Greetings. The letter you sent has been read and translated in my presence. I issued an order and a search was made. And it was found that this city has a long history of revolt against kings and has been a place of rebellion and sedition. Jerusalem has had powerful kings ruling over the whole of trans-Euphrates and taxes, tribute, and duty were paid to them. Now issue an order to these men to stop work so that this city will not be rebuilt until I so order. Be careful not to neglect this matter. Why let this threat grow to the detriment of the royal interests? In verse twenty-three, it says, "As soon as the copy of the letter of King Artaxerxes was read to Rehum and Shimshai, the secretary and their associates, they went immediately to the Jews in Jerusalem and compelled them by force to stop." And in verse twenty-four, it says, "Thus the work on the house of God." And Jerusalem came to a standstill until the second year of the reign of Darius king of Persia. So, um, so as you can see, when opposers try to get other people against you, they tell them to seek out the negatives. And when you seek out the negatives, of course, you are going to find all things negative. Like honestly, There will be people within your business journey who will always try to stop your process the same way the opposers tried to stop the Jews from building the walls and the temple. So the opposition now from the king and the surrounding nations still did not stop the building process, honestly. So in fact, in verses 1 and 2 in Ezra chapter 5, we see that two prophets at the time, Zechariah and Haggai told a prophecy to the Jews in Judah and Jerusalem, and supported the Jews in building the temple. So with that support and their prophecy, they kept building for the purpose of their one true God, even though they were told by King Artaxerxes they need to stop. So keep in mind, there will also be people who are against your opposers who will support you and remind you why you started your business journey in the first place, just like the prophets did. Where where there is opposition, you will also find encouragement from others. So always remember that. Now, a little time after the support and prophecy of the prophets, the governor of the trans-Euphrates started hearing the negativity surrounding the building of the temple from the surrounding nations. So as a part of his job, he also sought out answers and questions and questioned what the Jews um, were doing, what like why they were building the temple. So the governor at the time, his name was, and excuse me if I say this wrong, his name was uh, Tatani. I think that's how you pronounce it, or Tatanai. And he actually went to the elder community of the Jews and asked them, and this is in verse uh, 3 in chapter 5 of Ezra. And it says, Who authorized you to rebuild this temple and to finish it? What are the names of those who are constructing this building? In verse 5, it also states And it says, but the eye of their God was watching over the elders of the Jews and they were not stopped until a report could go to Darius and his written reply be received. So um, the governor did just that and he sent a letter to King Darius who was the king of Persia at this time now. Now I'm going to read his letter to you and you're welcome to read along. I want you to see how his letter to a king differs from the letters sent by the opposers to King Artaxerxes, um, the king before King Darius. So keep in mind that uh, Tate Nye, he is a governor. So his his job is to respond to the calamity that's going around right now. And so far, everybody's talking about these Jews building a wall and it's causing a problem. So he is just writing to figure out what he should do. So I'm going to read the letter. And... This is actually, let me turn. Okay. So this is in chapter, what did I say? Okay, guys, chapter five, verse eight. Okay. To King Darius, cordial greetings. The king should know that we went to the district of Judah to the temple of the great God. The people are building it with large stones and placing the timbers in the walls. The work is being carried on with diligence and is making rapid progress under their direction. We question the elders and asked them, who authorized you to rebuild this temple and to finish it? We also asked them their names so that we could write down the names of their leaders for your information. This is the answer they gave us. We are the servants of the God of heaven and earth, and we are rebuilding the temple that was built many years ago one that a great king of Israel built and finished. But because our ancestors angered the God of heaven, he gave them into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar, the Chaldean, king of Babylon, who destroyed this temple and deported the people to Babylon. However, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Babylon, King Cyrus issued a decree to rebuild the house of God. He even removed the temple of Babylon, and gold and silver articles of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple in Jerusalem and brought to the temple in Babylon. Then King Cyrus gave them to a man named Sheshbazar, whom he had appointed governor. And he told him, take these articles and go and deposit them in the temple in Jerusalem and rebuild the house of God on its site. So this Sheshbazar came and laid the foundations of the house of God in Jerusalem. From that day to the present, it has been under construction, but is not yet finished. And then it goes back to uh, Tate response in the letter, in verse 17, and it says, Now, if it pleases the king, let a search be made in the royal archives of Babylon to see if King Cyrus did in fact issue a decree to rebuild this house of God in Jerusalem. Then let the king send us his decision in this matter. Okay, so... Can you see the difference in this letter than the one of the opposers written to King Artaxerxes? You can clearly see that the governor, once again, is just doing his job and investigating the matter by simply asking for an investigation to see what the right thing is to do and what actions need to be taken into place. He did not oppose the Jews, nor did he agree with them either. He just sought out the king for his answer, as he should. He's the governor. So, Tying this back to business again, there will be people in your business journey who are similar to Governor Tate and I. These people aren't your opposers, but they aren't for you, for your cause either. These are people who need the help of higher status people to make a decision for them because they like to weigh the pros and cons. These are technically, these are technically not bad people. They just see both sides of the story and sometimes they just need the words of someone else who can see the situation differently. So now let's read what King Darius tells Tatni or Tatani, I'm sorry, in response. This is King's This is King Darius' decree, which is found in Ezra chapter 6. So I'm going to read that for you. This is his response. Um let okay, so starting from verse 3. In the first year of King Cyrus, the king issued a decree concerning the temple of God in Jerusalem. Let the temple be rebuilt. As a place to present sacrifices and let its foundations be laid. It is to be 60 cubits high and 60 cubits wide with three courses of large stones and one of timbers. The costs are to be paid by the royal treasury. Also, the gold and silver articles of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took from the temple in Jerusalem and brought to Babylon, are to be returned to their places in the temple in Jerusalem. They are to be deposited in the house of God. Now then, Tapnai, governor of Trans-Euphrates and Shethar Bosnai and your other officials of that province, stay away from there. Do not interfere with the work on this temple of God. Let the governor of the Jews and the Jewish elders rebuild the house of God on its site. Moreover, I hereby decree what you are to do for these elders of the Jews in the construction of this house of God. Their expenses are to be fully paid out of the royal treasury from the revenues of Trans-Euphrates so that the work will not stop. Whatever is needed, young bulls, rams, male lambs for burnt offerings to the God of heaven and wheat, salt, wine and olive oil as requested by the priests in Jerusalem must be given to them daily without fail so that they may offer sacrificing offer sacrifices pleasing to the God of heaven and pray for the well-being of the king and his sons. Furthermore, I decree that if anyone defies this edict, a beam is to be pulled from their house and they are to be impaled on it. And for this crime, this house, their house is to be made a pile of rubble. May God, who calls his name to dwell there, overthrow any king or people who lifts a hand to change the decree or to destroy this temple in Jerusalem? I, Darius, have decreed it. Let it be carried out with diligence. So, wow, right? So, finally, after the decree, well, After the decree, the temple was finally able to be completed in peace. And in Ezra six fourteen, it says, um. Let me see, Ezra. Okay, so yeah, in Ezra 6.14, right after King Darius' decree, it says, So the elders of the Jews continued to build and prosper under the preaching of Haggai, the prophet, and Zechariah, a descendant of Ido. They finished building the temple according to the command of God of Israel and the decrees of Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes, kings of Persia. Now keep in mind, this isn't the end of this story and the temple being rebuilt has a longer journey ahead of it and I encourage you to read the rest of Ezra and Nehemiah to see the outcome, but for the purpose of this business lesson, I'm going to end the reading here. Now I want to briefly talk about the 10 ways you can overcome opposition and building your business by using the story of the Jews rebuilding the temple as an example. I found this blog post that actually discusses these 10 ways and I totally agree with them. So I'm going to read them to you. If you want to read the full article, you can find the article on a website called thegospelcoalition.org. I'll also have that in the show notes as well. So the first way to overcome opposition and building your business is don't be surprised when opposition arises So in Peter 4 verse 12, it says, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. So this isn't new. It isn't strange. It's normal. It's normal for people to oppose you. So don't be surprised. Actually, the the apostle Paul also promises in two Timothy, Timothy, uh, chapter three, verse twelve, that all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And in Matthew chapter five, verse twelve, it says, "In the same way, Jesus reminds us, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Don't be surprised; God certainly isn't." Number two is stay calm and don't become angry. So in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 14, it states, Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. Don't respond to opposition with that toxic blend of fear and anger. Respond with grace and truth. The words outrage and courage both have the word rage in them. Oh, by the way, that's not a part of the um the the scripture but uh the Think about it. the words outrage <coughs> excuse me encourage both have the word rage in them yet they're totally different attitudes so we need less reactionary outrage and more courageous love number three is repent when it's needed so Sometimes Christians aren't respected because we're not respectable. Sometimes the world says Christians are hypocrites. And they are right because I know some Christians who are hypocrites. So sometimes our opponents see our failures far more clearly than we do. Like if you're a racist, you need to repent. If you say you hate gay people, you need to repent. So if you're rude or gossipy or arrogant at work, don't get all blustery and claim persecution when a, coworker, when a co-worker calls you out, all right? So let we need to let our own sins, we need to recognize our own sins and repent when it's needed because Jesus will forgive you and change you. He'll even save you if that's what you need. And the world will appreciate the rare example of Christian humility. Number four is keep loving each other. So 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 8 through 10 says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. When we face challenges, especially like opposition and the ones we thought were for us, we may quickly turn on the opposers and seek vengeance. So we need to guard against the temptation with love. I know it honestly may be hard. It's easier said than done. But and especially hard when it's coming from someone who means a lot to you. But honestly, hey, no one said it's going to be easy either. Number five is, um, which brings me to number five, which is love your enemies." So First Peter chapter three, verse nine says, "Do not repay evil for evil, or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless for this you were called. Number six is, keep doing God's work." So in First Peter chapter 2, verse 15. It states, for this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. So honestly, keep doing your kingdom work. Keep serving each person you meet. Keep loving everyone who crosses your path. Don't try to silence the critics and skeptics by yelling louder than them trust god and do what's right remember that example is the loudest voice in every room god will take care of us so keep calm and carry on keep doing you okay um number seven is share your mesmerizing hope so in a world like ours if your life is marked by grace and truth and love and integrity and hospitality and christian warmth People will eventually ask, what's wrong with you? So develop um, what's called gospel fluency and stay ready to answer people's questions and challenges. If you're a Christian, you have a mesmerizing hope. So be prepared to share it. Number eight is be respectful. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. That's actually from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 as well. So a rude evangelist is a bad evangelist. As you share Christ with people, always be respectful. Evangelism sometimes means difficult conversations, but we should never be difficult people. So it's very important to avoid verbal fights. Just be gentle and show perfect um, courtesy toward all people. That's actually from Titus chapter 3 verse 2. And it says show perfect courtesy toward all people, Christians or non-Christians. Number nine is remember you're not the only one. All right, remember other Christians um, that that also exist. You know we're not the only ones who are who get opposers. So we're not the first ones. We're not the last ones. We're not the only ones. We're not the main ones who are suffering in the west most of our micro suffering would barely barely register among so many other christian brothers and sisters abroad we should remember that with prayer and sympathy and great respect the countless others who endure so much more opposition than we do even when we face like legitimate challenges to our faith we're in good and noble company so honestly just always keep that in mind like it's. I'm not saying your op- your opposers aren't important, but it also helps with the situation when you realize that other people are going through way worse. Um. And number 10 is keep your head up and keep praying. So darkness has never stopped the dawn. Remember that this life is temporary and Jesus is coming back for us, okay? So when the night deepens and oppressors prey on the failure of your business journey... Just remember to keep your head up, or as they say, look to the east, and keep building your relationship with God and keep communicating with Him through prayer. So that brings me to the end of this podcast, as well to the end of another faith fueled and blessed season of scriptures, stories, and strategies. I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to the Word of God and listen and learn how to build your business against oppressors using biblical history as a guide. I truly pray for your business journey, whether you're starting your starting the business from scratch, whether you're rebranding your business, or whether you're rebuilding different parts of your business, or adding a new part to your business. I truly, truly pray for you. God bless you, and have a good rest of whatever, if it's the night, have a good night. If it's the morning, have a good rest of your day. Um, and get ready for season three which is coming really really soon once again this is the last episode of season two and of course as always I want to leave this off with a prayer by the way guys I'm trying to get really good with my prayer I feel like like you ever um, have like ask somebody like you ever been in a group setting when somebody's like oh can you pray for us I've always been that person that was afraid to pray for a group because I feel like I'm going to say the wrong things or I'm not going to say the right things. So let it be known that when I pray for you guys, like I'm so nervous because I just want to make sure I'm saying the right things. Um, I want to make sure that I'm not saying anything wrong. I want to make sure that it's not a bunch of fluff. So I'm really trying to learn how to pray for more people in my presence other than just praying for people by myself if that makes sense so bear with me i'm i'm, I'm learning <laughs> um anyways let's pray dear heavenly father i want to thank you so much for the other person and listening and on this podcast right now we all have a spiritual gift lord and we all have a gift that are going to bring people back to your truth at the end of the day. The one that is listening to this podcast episode right now may have people opposing them within their business journey or just life in general. I want that person to know, Lord, that these opposers may come to actually build the strength that you are setting for them. They're building the foundation in order for this person to grow. I pray for every person's business journeys, Lord, that is listening to this podcast right now because it is a hard journey. There are going to be people who want to see them fail. But what I want to pray for, Lord, is I pray that you touch the heart of the opposers. You also touch the heart of the person listening to this podcast right now. And let them know that they're not alone. Cause at the end of the day, they can have all the opposers in the world, but you gave them that desire in their heart within their business journey for that to be fulfilled. And you will never put them through something that they're not qualified or equipped to handle. So, Lord, I want to thank you so much for giving me an opportunity to have this platform in order to share your word, Lord. Share the stories of the Bible to help others see that the Bible can be their business book. And honestly, the only business book they truly ever need. I want to thank you, God, so much for helping me understand how to decipher the words of Ezra and transform it into a business strategy for whoever is listening to this podcast right now. And I truly pray and bless the person's business journey, who is listening to this podcast. I pray that any failures that they might seem like a failure is actually a step in the right direction, helping them learn. And I pray that they um, show kindness to their oppressors because we never know what they are going through. So I hope that they take these 10 ways to overcome oppression as a guideline to run their business when they are facing opposition. And in Jesus' name, I pray amen thank you guys so much for listening to that prayer and praying with me I hope the prayer was worthwhile like you guys like I said I'm, I'm learning to pray for more people I get really nervous when I have to pray like in a group setting even though I'm sitting here by myself but um I pray that that really touched your heart anyways that is it that's the end of the episode I'm gonna finish the rest of my coffee and have a great day bye guys You feel that? That heat? That fuel? Girl, that's that faith fuel. And I pray you use the fuel and lessons learned today in this episode and apply them to your personal life and business journey. Feel free to screenshot this episode and share a business lesson you learned and will now be incorporating in your business. Don't forget to tag me, okay, at The Marketing Profit so I'm notified and we can talk more about how you're going to apply those lessons to your business strategy in the DMs it would also mean so much to me to reach all the faith-based entrepreneurs who want to infuse God within their business journey. But in order to do that, I need your help to get the word out. I would love if you'd comment rate, and subscribe to this podcast in order to help me reach those girls and share these biblical business strategies. Let them know what they're missing. Okay, don't tell them I can turn water into wine, but let them know I can turn scriptures and stories into applicable and action-packed business strategies. Thank you so much, faith Field friend, and I will talk to you in my next episode. Have a blessed day.